What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022, and we are setting the table for Week 14 with our primer for the Los Angeles Chargers. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked on Network. Welcome to Locked on Dolphins and our primer for week 14 against the Los Angeles Chargers. We, of course, have crossover Thursday tomorrow. We have the fan mailbag to bring this week to a close. But today, kind of setting the table. We're, we're talking about the Chargers uh, through a lot of different lenses and scopes and, and how this team uh, has gotten to where it is at this point in the season where it meets the Dolphins with the Chargers sitting at 6-6 six and six, and um, how Miami measures up against the Los Angeles Chargers. And today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The first, um, the first hurdle of the day is kind of a big-picture talking point that is focused on the Dolphins as compared to uh, the, the LA Chargers. And it, it's with the Dolphins at eight and four and five games to play, including this one. Here's kind of how I view the schedule, right? Because if you go back to the beginning of the season, you think about what our original expectations were. I had us down for 11 wins, and the hope was a successful season would be winning a playoff game. The loss that the Dolphins occurred against the 49ers was a hard pill to swallow because it was a winnable game that you shot yourself in the foot with repeatedly and ultimately did not win the game. But everything that you won is still on the table and more. And how I am defining the remaining five games of the season is this. The next two games for the Miami Dolphins, Sunday night football against the Chargers and then Saturday night football against the Bills, is going to determine whether or not the Dolphins win the AFC East. If the Dolphins win the next two football games, in my mind, that locks them into a position in which they ultimately give themselves a, a overwhelming probability of winning the AFC East because the Bills are not going to play the, the Bengals, too. The Bengals are playing excellent football right now. If you go one and one, uh, you give yourself a modest chance, but probably not. And we will need to be talking about. Uh, wild card uh, ramifications and births and so on and so forth because you know you would be nine and five. If you lose the next two and you wake up and you're eight and six and you go zero and three in this tough heart of your schedule late in December, then the focus becomes the next three games defining whether or not you make the playoffs and if you deserve to make the playoffs. So the the, the two game stretch for me is. 2-0, and 1-1, 0-2. 2-0, expectations are you are competing to win the AFC East, host a playoff game, and potentially, depending on what the, the Chiefs do down the stretch, because your game behind them as well, uh, clinch first round by. If you win the next two, that should absolutely be in the conversation because you have won two more conference games uh, and set yourselves up very favorably, and you would have two losses in the conference. If you're 1-1, one uh, I'm probably putting the the playoff discussion or the 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 division title discussion to bed, uh, especially if you lose the one to the Bills, and 
man, I, I would, would hate to live in a world in which we're going into next weekend on a two game skid going into Buffalo at the prospect of either nine and five or eight and six needing the win to get to nine and five feel a lot better if the dolphins get this game uh, to, to kind of stay on schedule and, and live up to those expectations. If you get to eight and six, well, then you got your, your three game playoff starts then and there, like we've seen from the dolphins in recent years, but instead of, but in the big difference being the dolphins are on the inside trying not to fall out as compared to being on the outside, trying to climb back in and needing help. So th this block of, of the season kind of defines if we're recalibrating the expectations for the postseason because rubber meets the road now, right? Like we're playing for keeps. We are. Rubber meets the road starting now. So the next two games are defining, are we shifting expectations from the, the, the preseason in the summer? Or is it we are looking to live up to those expectations and then try to get in the postseason win playoff game? But I think that's important perspective uh, relative to how oh, the, the game against San Francisco went and the energy that everybody had when the Dolphins were 8-3 and three and then just how hard it seemed like everybody took the loss to the, the 49ers and like, losing sucks, right? Like losing's not fun. And the Dolphins, over their last 20 football games, have won 75% of their games. What an awesome world we live in versus standard, the standard that's been set for the last two decades. Now it's just a matter of bouncing back and correcting the mistakes that you inflicted upon yourselves. And I think the Dolphins will have a good chance to do that. But let's talk about these Chargers, right? And you can't start the conversation about the Chargers and priming for the Chargers without looking at the injuries that this team has been dealing with all season long. Last week against the Raiders, the Chargers played the game without center Corey Lindsley, who had a concussion, without right tackle Trey Pipkins, who suffered an MCL injury, without wide receiver Mike Williams, who's been dealing with an ankle injury all season long, without Joey Bosa, who's been on IR for the majority of the season with a groin injury, without Rayshon Slater, who's been on IR for the majority of the season with a biceps injury, without J.C. Jackson, who's been on IR for the majority of the season with a knee injury, uh, and then Austin Johnson on the defensive interior as well. Like there, There's been a lot of players that have really been impact, expected to be impact players who have not made the kind of contributions to the Chargers than what you would have expected. The big three for the Dolphins that we need to keep an eye on as far as availability for the game against Miami is Corey Lindsley with a concussion. Trey Pipkins, uh, he had been playing with some kind of MCL sprain, strain, uh, re-aggravated it, and then missed last week. And Mike Williams has been uh, struggling to get back from an ankle injury. We saw him a couple weeks ago and immediately re-aggravated the same injury. So those are the three for Miami that you're, you're keeping an eye on. It does not sound like Bosa, Slater, Jackson, or Johnson is... is especially Jackson. He's definitively done for the year. Slater, they say, may have come back in time for the postseason. Uh, Bosa was an 8-10 to 10 week injury last week. Head coach Brandon Staley said it's going to be a little bit of time before Joey Bosa's ready to practice. So it sounds like Miami will miss the doomsday scenario of getting Bosa and Khalil Mack on the field with Teron Armstead maybe being back, but maybe also not being back. So uh, injuries has, has definitely been and has been for the last couple of years kind of a, a prominent storyline for the Chargers 
but you can't talk about priming and setting the table for where this team is without acknowledging those injuries and the weight that they have cast upon this Charger season to this point with the Chargers sitting at 6-6. Six and six. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car that you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget, whether that's booking an SUV or minivan for a family road trip, a pickup truck for some errands, or even test driving that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive with Turo at Turo.com. So the Chargers entered this season as one of these teams in the AFC West who is largely considered to be the, the preseason best division in football. The Chargers started the year 4-2. and two. They are 2-4 and four in the time cinch. Uh, their wins this season have come against the Las Vegas Raiders, the Houston Texans, the Cleveland Browns, the Denver Broncos, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Arizona Cardinals. Their losses this season have come against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs again, and the Las Vegas Raiders. When I look at the Chargers, the first thing that jumps out to me is the scoring defense is not good. Uh, the scoring defense is 30th in the NFL. In points allowed, you think the Dolphins scoring defense is bad and, they, and the Dolphins have given up a lot? Uh, the Chargers have given up 309 points thus far through 12 games. That is 25.8 points per game. And what's, what's a hard pill to swallow about that if you're a Chargers fan is that the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, is a head coach with a defensive-minded background. They're 26th in yards allowed. So defensively, they are not living up to the billing and the standard that Brandon Staley has set as a coach. Now, they are good in a number of metrics defensively. They're seventh in the NFL in red zone scoring defense. Uh, about 50%, 21 of 41 trips into the red zone are touchdowns, so they're, they're keeping you out of the end zone almost 50% of the time. Uh, they're seventh in the NFL in fourth down conversion rate, but they're 25th in the NFL in third down conversion rate, almost 44% of third downs faced by the Chargers defense is being converted into first downs. And you look at the Chargers, um, they have managed to string together at least one turnover in ten consecutive, nine consecutive games and 10 of the 12 games this season. During that stretch of nine consecutive games, They've got, uh, not a math guy, um, five games in which they had one turnover and four games in which they had two turnovers. So they're not, they're not a, a feast turnover unit. But what they are is very porous against the run. I want to read you guys some numbers. I just kind of have the, the pro football reference summary up here on the, the right-hand side for me uh, of the Chargers defense this season. In the last 10 games, here are the rushing yards conceded by the Chargers thus far this season. 151, 131, 213, 98, 213, 201, 157, 
163, 181, 154. So, uh, we've, we've pleaded this a number of times throughout the course of the season. Uh, but if this game plan does not feature a heavy dose of the run game, I do not know what to tell you. And this is, this is where I struggle. Because the Dolphins played the Browns in Week 10 and rushed the ball for 195 yards. And you said, wow. Jeff Wilson has brought a whole new, whole new dynamic to this running game. We should see this grow significantly down the stretch. And when the weather gets cold, the ability to run the ball is going to be critical. They rushed for 99 yards in two games since. 33 against the 49ers. And I understand you had a big run that was called back by a BS holding call against Robert Hunt against the 49ers in a big juncture of the game. I get it. But you're coming off a game in which you couldn't even possess the ball for 20 minutes. If there was ever a week on the schedule for you to run the football assertively, aggressively, and effectively, this is the week. Even more so than when you played the Browns and you posted 195. The Chargers' rush defense is worse than, than the Browns. So if I'm Mike McDaniel, and I am looking at this Chargers' front seven, you acknowledge Kyle Van Noy's playing a very large role in the, the defense because of the current absence of Joey Bosa. You got Morgan Fox, Joe Gaziano, Sebastian Joseph Day, who's banged up, uh, Brandon Fehoko. Kyle Van Noy, Khalil Mack, and then your stack off-ball linebackers are Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, Troy Reeder, and Nick Neiman. If you can't run the ball against this group, I don't know what to tell you. But I would certainly hope after the imbalanced effort of the last two weeks, and it was fun against Houston, because you threw the ball at will and you diced him up. And I think you'll have a, a much better opportunity against the Chargers with that linebacking group to be able to feast in the intermediate middle of the field and not feel obligated to push the ball a little bit further down the field, than what, than, which is what I think they felt against the 49ers. And you just haven't got the reps there, right? Like it, It's not a natural strength right now because it's not an area that you've consistently targeted all season long, so it is going to be a little out of sync. I don't think you have to do that. You'll have to do that the following week against the Bills. But I don't think you have to do what you felt obligated to do against the 49ers to create the spacing issues. I don't think you'll have to do against the Chargers. So I feel better about the passing game being more in rhythm as we've seen it all season. But my goodness, this team cannot stop a nosebleed. I'm not a math guy, so I'm, I'm going to have Siri do it for me. Okay, and we can all, we can all learn the number of this together. What is 151 plus 131 plus 213 plus 98 plus 213 plus 201 plus 157 plus 163 plus 181 plus 154? She's thinking about it. It's 1,662. 
It's 166 rushing yards a game in the last 10 games. <laughs> Run the ball. Let's get after him up front. Whether it's Teron Armstead or not at left tackle, it shouldn't matter. This is a historically bad rush defense for the Chargers. Historically bad rush defense. They're giving up 5.4 yards per carry on the season. That's dead last comfortably. You should smell blood in the water if you're the Dolphins coming into this game and you, you see this. And I would hope the fact that the, the Dolphins haven't run the ball gives them a chance to really bring a little bit of a, an off-the-beaten-path game plan into this game against the Chargers. Oh, don't! It's not like you're going to take all the same stuff that you ran the last two weeks and you're going to throw it in the trash can, but if your focus is different, and I think it should be, and you 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 know you got to be mindful of Derwin James roaming around as as kind of a chess piece that comes down from uh, the secondary and plays in the box and and can be an impact player. But there there's a lot for the taking here as you look at this Chargers team. And obviously the the big storyline here is going to be Justin Herbert versus Tua Tungavaloa and and these two guys playing against each other for the second time in their careers and they'll always be tied together because they were the fifth and sixth pick in the respective NFL draft. And all that, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but for me, I look at, at, at where the Chargers are right now and defensively how they're struggling. And you can ask any Chargers fan, and they will tell you that the coaching has been a significant pain point all season long. And I think Miami should have a very defined opportunity in this football game. The other thing that stands out about the Chargers is they largely play dramatic football games. So two birds of a feather flock together, I suppose. They've had one score games against the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Texans, the Browns, the Broncos, the Falcons, the 49ers, the Chiefs again, the Cardinals again, and the Raiders. So 10 of their 12 games have been one-score games. Now, they went for two in the final minute of the game against the Cardinals to win that football game. They would have otherwise lost that game. And that was back in Week 12. So that was a, a late-game opportunity that, that broke their way. Uh, the Raiders largely blew them out, and the, the Chargers backdoored into a one-score game last week. Uh, the Chiefs, the Chargers let them off the hook. Um, they scored a touchdown to take the lead late in the game, and then Mahomes came right back down, and they, they couldn't cover Travis Kelsey, and then Herbert threw an interception on the, the following possession. So a, a lot of late-game dramatics, but I do think the Dolphins, what we perceive to be a coaching advantage, will be big in this contest in that regard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from football to basketball, soccer to esports. They have it all at BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. It is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So as we continue here with the Chargers and, and setting the table, they're number two in the NFL in attempts, passing the football offensively with Justin Herbert. Uh, 512 attempts already this season. 
I mean, it, it's a, a stunning display versus they are 29th in the NFL in rushing attempts. They're 31st in the NFL in rushing yards. They're 30th in the NFL in yards per attempt. And that's where I think this, this, needs to, this discussion needs to be. You can look at the volume and say they are dramatically skewed as a pass, passing attack. That much is obvious. You're second in the NFL attempts and you're 29th in rush attempts. But from an efficiency perspective, this is where this is going to be an edge where you know the Chargers are going to get volume, but are they going to be efficient? The Chargers are 19th in the NFL in net yards per attempt. Adjust, adjust for sacks and completions, all that kind of stuff. 5.9 net yards per attempt, factoring in negative play. So they are sixth in the NFL in true passing yards, so 3,200. But when you counter in, factor in efficiency, they're a middle of the road offense in that regard. For context, the Dolphins this season, they are second in the NFL in passing yards to 3,500, but they are number one in the NFL in net yards per attempt with 7.6. That's a significant gap between the two. It's an extra yard and a half per pass attempt to net when, when you factor in negative plays. So I hope that puts into perspective a little bit where Justin Herbert has all these yards and Tua Tagovailoa currently sitting at 2859 himself with 21 touchdown passes and five interceptions. Herbert at 20 touchdown passes and seven interceptions, but he's got like extra 500 yards. He's also played every game, so he's played two more games. Uh, 278 yards per game. Uh, his sack percentage is right around where two is, is at right around 5%. Um, but he has needed late game heroics in games. Uh, he has four court, fourth quarter comebacks thus far this season. They're not an efficient team, and I know that's one of the gripes with the Chargers and offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi is, and, and they've, they've been strapped with injuries, right? You know, we, we mentioned the injuries to some of their people, and, and Keenan Allen uh, has missed significant time this season as well. I believe he had a hamstring. So you understand from a personnel perspective, Dolphins fans can sympathize. And, and what I hate is that there is this perceived rift and rivalry between the fan bases because of the Tua versus Herbert discussion. I think both teams can, can look at their respective quarterback and their respective offense and be happy with what they got. And that it doesn't have to become a you-know-what contest. It shouldn't have to be. But for Miami's defense, the biggest talking point that, that I am dialed in on is you got to have answers for two guys. You got to have you got to have answers for Austin Eckler and you got to have an answer for Keenan Allen. Now, I think Xavier Howard versus Keenan Allen is an acceptable resolution. You can live and die by that for a full 60 minutes. I, I genuinely think you can. And I know X has been a step slower this year. He's been dealing with some injuries, soft tissue injuries all season long. But Keenan Allen is kind of working his way back in as well. He's only played in five games this season. He's got uh, 61 yards per game receiving. If Mike Williams plays, then you have a little bit of a conflict. You know, I trust Cater Kohu out there. Ideally, Cater Kohu is your nickel corner. I don't know that you're going to play matchups with these guys exclusively across the board. But your tight end, Gerald Everett, is not George Kittle. Austin Eckler out of the backfield will kill you in the passing game 
if you let him and if you don't tackle, right? So Eckler on the season has 1,153 yards from scrimmage. Uh, it is just about a 50-50 split on what he is getting on the ground and what he is getting through the air. He's averaging 49 yards per game on the ground and 47 yards per game receiving. 85 receptions already this season for Eckler is a crazy number. He leads the team in receptions by 28. It's a lot of volume running through your back underneath. So you got to rally to the ball. Is this a high percentage of cover two, Tampa two defense this week and, and try to win with the front four? And um, I would certainly think you, you look at the Chargers and what they have up front. Left tackle Jamari Salyer, a sixth round pick. He's a good player, but he's not. He's probably better suited to play inside at the NFL level. Matt Filer's been bad. Uh, if Corey Lindsley is not back from his concussion, it's Will Clapp at center. You got a rookie first round pick in Zion Johnson. And then Trey Pipkins. If Trey Pipkins is not back, then it's Foster Serrell at right tackle. You've got a significant talent advantage, even more so than I think what you had in the last couple of weeks. And when you went into San Francisco, you said, okay, you know, they, they've got their interior group is, is not great, but. They have a first-round pick in, in Mike McGlinchey at right tackle who hasn't played great um, but is effective in the run game. And you have the best offensive tackle in football, the best offensive lineman in football in Trent Williams. The Chargers don't have a needle mover right now. Now, if Corey Lindsley's out there, he would be a needle mover. But I still think you can get after this team on the edges pretty significantly. And if you told me I had to put Christian Wilkins in there and bump, bump heads with Corey Lindsley, I'm going to take... Christian Wilkins is fair share of reps too. So as you piece it all together, um, the question will be whether or not the lesser stresses across the entire personnel group and lesser coaching can be elevated in this game by number 10 at quarterback, Justin Herbert. And I don't have the answer to that, but that's, that's going to be the mystery and that's going to be the key storyline for the game. So, that's what I will be looking for. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Be back again tomorrow, Crossover Thursday. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you then.